and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we're going to be talking about um, rejection and how to process that when we feel like you have addressed something with a loved one and they don't see eye to eye with you and you have exhausted all your olive branches, what you should do about that. Yeah, and particularly with the holidays, with the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, family rifts can seem more pronounced at this time of year. And... Also, in light of what we've been discussing with our social justice issues about different beliefs, about lifestyles and choices, um, sometimes when you speak the truth in love, a loved one will reject you even when you are doing all the quote-unquote right things to be supportive and to enter into their suffering and to be kind and um, to not berate them, even when you're doing what would be considered all the right things and you're still rejected because of whatever reason. What do you do with all of that love? What do you do with the pain that you feel? How do you proceed in a relationship with that person when they reject all your overtures? And um, a book that I've been reading for um, a couple reasons that I think really goes well with this it's called if you met my family you'd understand a family systems primer by jack chitama and um he is not a catholic book i know we're a catholic podcast but it was recommended to me in confession so that should say something (laughs) (laughs) um but one of the things that he just kind of says right off the bat in his first chapter is just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not good. And I think as Catholics, we have to remember that just because there's some suffering along with something, that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be some sort of good at the end of the trial. So um, don't lose hope. So if there, that's kind of my message with that is that if you're feeling rejected lost, hated, or whatever those feelings are, just remember that with God there's hope. Because another thing that he says um, is that, this is a quote from the book, nobody gets the problem that they can handle because if they could handle it, it wouldn't be a problem. More often than not, it's how we address a challenge that turns it into a problem. And I think also as Catholics, we have to remember that there's nothing that we can do without God. So we always have to have God at the center of whatever we're trying to accomplish in the first place anyways. I think for me in my past, there have been falling outs with various siblings or extended relatives over certain things and not seeing eye to eye or just feeling like something that person did just was, you know, needed, deserved some distance for whatever reason, because that was the healthy and the right thing to do. Um, and to hold boundaries about certain behaviors. But it's so painful to love someone so much and to know that they don't feel like you love them. And that is that is a wound that's really, really hard, especially with mothers and daughters, with fathers and daughters, to know that 
you love this child or that you love your mother so much, but because you have to hold this boundary for, you know, mental health, that they can't feel that love in a way that they understand. And that's, to me, was is probably the most painful. And what do you do with all the love? And for me, when I was going through that personally, I had to change how I thought about love and where it goes and what it's for. Um, love is something that is always ordered toward God. It always is for God. Everything that we do in our relationships it comes from God. The love we feel for each other is a byproduct of our sharing in nature with God. Um, all love goes somewhere when it's felt and when it's, you know, when it's holy and beautiful. And so the first thing I would say is remember that your love is not in vain, that it isn't going nowhere, that it's not wasting, that it's not being ignored. Jesus is intimately aware of the love that you feel and the intricacies in your heart and the thoughts in your mind toward this person. And your love, when it is not being accepted by a loved one, is going to Him. And your prayers are especially efficacious for that loved one when they are rejecting you. And the only we need all we need to do to know that is just look at the cross. I mean, look at what the cross did while while we were still sinners, yet He died for us. So Love that is unrequited for a long time or a little bit of time or however long is valuable love in the kingdom of Christ. Mm -hmm. So something that you said, um, Lauren, made me think of a situation that I have going on where I have a loved one who I've been trying to um, encourage and support and especially by way of my faith, because it's something that is incredibly important to me. But um, just because of the place that this person is in, they see me as really being more judgmental and condescending uh, towards them. And it's been really hard because I want so badly to share this with this person. It comes at a time when, like, I... There have been a multiple times when I've really broke down to God about it and said, you know, like, I... You know, I'm, I want to help this person. Like, I want to show this person love, and they're rejecting me in this way, and the most intimate part of who I am. And so this hurts, and like, I don't understand it. Um, I, you know, I know that you have your timing, but I'm struggling with this. And oh, just over the past month or so, I would say there have been three situations um, in which God has, like, I've. I've had a situation where I'm waiting for something to happen, where like, you know, I'm wanting this timing to happen in a certain way and I'm struggling with that. And then I complain about it. And then very shortly thereafter, the thing that I was hoping for happens. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it always happens. Like, it seems to be like the first time I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. The second time kind of gets me a little curious and the third time hits home. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay. So I think God is really trying to tell me right now that I need to, you know, trust in his timing. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, with this particular situation, it really hit home for me that, like, you know, this is a cross that I have to bear. We're all called to, you know, bear our crosses. And it's a beautiful cross. I mean, all the, all the crosses in their own way, I think, kind of are um, because it has to do with loving another person. But um, I think that's, that's one thing that I would say about this is that, you know, when, when that happens and you're being rejected and it hurts— is to 
like you were talking about, it's, it has to do with God. And so knowing that it is His timing, He is working in the heart of that person. You don't. You're, you, you are there to be love for them and to plant a seed if you can. And we never know when we really are planting seeds. God sees the anterior um, part of that person. Mm -hmm. And so to just, I mean, I think it really comes down to just making it about trusting, trusting God and just giving that up because, and then just being willing to bear that cross out of love for that person. And any time that that does really hurt and it's really, it's really hurting that day to offer that up to God. And then if you do have, you know, people you can, you know, talk to in confidence, bringing, especially prayerful people mm -hmm. who will bring you, point you back to Christ to talk, you know, be able to have that, that uh, community. And I hope, you know, I know that or not, not everybody does, but, um, you know, hopefully being able to have that. Well, and I think that sometimes too, we're trying to fix stuff. Or, you know, a lot of times when these types of problems, arguments, confrontations happen, it's because somebody tells us something and we're trying to fix it for them. Or and sometimes maybe we're trying to fix them or they perceive it as that way. But and another way we might react is by avoiding it altogether. But one of the things... Um, Again, I am going to probably quote this book quite a bit because I've really been enjoying it and it goes really well with this. Is um, Again, in the book, he says, you cannot avoid a challenge to help others avoid it. The best thing you can do is face it as a non-anxious presence. Mm. And he talks about how anxiety is poison and that sometimes we're so anxious about talking about a situation or confronting a certain topic that will cause some conflict that we are actually making the situation worse. Um, and again, uh, another quote is sometimes we think we're making it easier on others when we're actually making it harder. But what we are doing is sparing ourselves the pain of watching someone else struggle. Mm -hmm. and instead of allowing somebody to face their challenge, we're creating a problem. This often comes from being unwilling to deal with our own anxiety of the situation. So, I uh, think the dynamite in what you just said was that phrase, a non-anxious presence. Mm -hmm. If we can just get that as our goal for these challenging relationships, I think we've done 80% of the work here. But I think that people will tell you how to love them by what they criticize you for doing. So if someone is criticizing you because you're bringing this up or that up, or I don't like it when you do this, don't do this, don't do that. Find another door. <laughs> speak their language. Get on their turf. Um, I'm not saying you don't ever speak the truth in love, but I think once we've spoken the truth, to stand in that truth is a powerful thing, too. Uh, when I was in my wandering years, people that would try to love me, it didn't feel like love because I was in misery. And when you're in misery, love is more painful than misery. It's a, it's a foreign presence. So to reach out to someone and say, I'm just concerned about A, B, and C going on when someone's completely wrapped up in their misery and they're wandering, it, that just feels like more condescension and judgment and... What I really needed people to do when I was in that time was to get in my life and ask me questions about the things I was interested in. 
or where are you like what are you reading lately or what are you listening to or hey you see any good movies people will show you how to love them based on the way they reject what you're doing I know that sounds a little strange but if you look at what they're actually saying is this is not how I want you to respond to me mm-hmm. come at it a different angle I'm asking you to because I don't like this it doesn't feel good yeah, I'm so glad you're saying that because I have a really hard time with prudence. That is not my virtue. <laughs> and I have been begging God to teach me prudence lately because that is one thing that like that if I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I mean, I, I any of those God bring it on. It, yes, but I mean, it, because he does it in love though, yeah. it can be trusted. It is God doing right. it. It can be trusted. Can be trusted. It's beautiful. But I've been asking him for that because I have a tendency. I want, if I hear somebody in pain, mm-hmm. I want so badly to encourage that person to like say something that would make them feel better. I don't want to just leave them in a state of mm-hmm. pain. You know, it feels unloving to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a situation in my life where that, that kind of thing that you just saw talking about has happened. The request has been made. Stop and I am trying so hard to do it, and I I have I do not have the prudence to do it, and I'm learning more and more that like you know you were talking about you don't want to, you know just step back and ignore the situation, but then you also don't want to go to the other end of the pendulum right. and just force force force. Mm-hmm. So there's this he- healthy middle to be in a lot of the time, and I have a really hard time with it sadly, but yeah I think that's kind of where the sweet spot is, and and you know you don't. The thing that I'm having a really hard time learning is that it's not always about what you say. It's about your presence there. Like yes. you're talking about that non-anxious presence, just loving the person like you were talking about, Lauren, um, by just not bringing up any of the thing that's causing conflict or or whatever, just being there and listening to them and then talking to them about, you know, oh, that basketball game that you went to or whatever, just being a friend and being a presence to them. Yeah, but then also if that thing comes up that is causing conflict, to not avoid it. Mm-hmm. Like if it right. comes like, up in conversation, yeah, yeah, don't don't force it, but don't avoid it if it comes up. Don't mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay, well, look at the time. I've got to go. But um, one of the, I, this is kind of an odd reference, but I'm going to make it because I, thought, I think it's very relevant. Um I was watching Newsnight. It's an old Aaron Sorkinson show. And um, he's the same guy who did West Wing and Studio 60. And I just love all of his stuff. But I know not it's not everybody's cup of tea. But there's this one episode in um, Sports Night where the producer, the executive producer, Dana, and one of um, the assistants, Jeremy, are talking about Dana's parents coming for Thanksgiving, which is, this is probably this is why I think of this because we're about to air this right before Thanksgiving. And she is trying to defrost the turkey on the lighting grid, which is ridiculous, but it makes it funny. And um, she keeps talking about how her mother is going to just annoy her and her mother is going to disapprove of how she's cooking the turkey. It's her first time hosting Thanksgiving. And she just keeps talking down about how the whole Thanksgiving is going to be ruined because her mother's just going to nitpick everything. And Jeremy brings that to her. He goes, I don't think, because he's saying, I just wanted to make a good Thanksgiving. He's like, I don't think that's what you're trying to do. And she's like, what do you mean? And he goes, how many often do you get to see your parents? Twice a year. And 
your parents love you. And she goes, well, she's also going to, your mom loves you. He's just like, well, she's also going to annoy me. He's like, but which one do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on her loving you? Or do you want to focus on her annoying you? Both are going to happen. But our reaction also depends on which thing we want to focus on. Do we want to focus on the conflict or do we want to focus on the love? I know that was a long story to get to my point, but I think that's what we're talking about here is that love is the, is the key. Are we going to focus on all the nitpicky things that cause us strife and pain? They're there and we can't ignore them. But our non-anxious presence that we just talked about comes from focusing on the love of the situation. I started to call that sweet spot that um, you just talked about, Alicia, kind of like my Padre Pio place because you know he always talks about not worrying and mm-hmm. you're in the moment. So be in the moment with those people, and as best you can, because like we said at the beginning, sometimes you've felt like you've exhausted all these. You've said that you're supportive. You said you're you're listening. You said you've done all the things that you have felt are supposed to help the situation. The situation isn't getting any better. And that's where that hard waiting happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in that hard waiting, you have to continue to love and be present. And not sparing people their journey too. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Um, Because if I hadn't have been on, had been on the journey that I was as awful as it was, I wouldn't, be where I am today and when I was the uncomfortable person in my family that everyone was worried about what I wanted most of all was for people to just treat me like I the person they thought I always was the person that they admired and loved and to see the good in me even though I was making really bad decisions at that time and that's kind of what I needed was just to be treated normally and like to be talked to like everyone else is being talked to like you know instead of being looked at all weird and you know like Mm -hmm you're the problem child or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And I wasn't even the problem child. (laughs) It's just, you know, I think we have to let people wander around sometimes and find the love of Christ on their own and respond to him. And that's really hard, especially when it's our children, Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't want to see them suffer. But if you want to avoid suffering, you certainly shouldn't be a part of Christianity. Because that is really not how this game goes. When Jesus was on the cross, Mary, the Marys, weren't shouting platitudes up at him about just give it to God and, you know, feeling anxious to say something. They just were there. They were just there with him, suffering with him, entering into that with him as a steady presence, as the non-anxious, well, I'm sure they were anxious, but if you bring it to today's podcast, the non-anxious presence that's there to witness somebody's journey. So keeping in mind that your love is eternal, number one. Keep in mind that you don't always have to say words. You don't always have to say something to make the pain go away. Meeting them on their turf, not trying to fix them. These are all ways that we can endure. And remembering that Love is the only thing that's eternal, not the things that you say, not the things that you do, not the ways that you try to fix or the ways that you respond or your performance. The only thing that's eternal in our relationships is love. That's what will go with you into eternity are your memories and the love that you shared and the prayers that you prayed. 
not your degrees, not your work accomplishments, not your perfect motherhood, your perfect parenthood. The love that you feel for your children and your family and your loved ones who are straying or wandering is eternal and it will go on forever. I think that's the most important thing to remember. When you said that, that the love is the only thing that's eternal, not all these other things, like my heart skipped a beat a little mm-hmm. bit. I think that's one of the things that I'm going to re-remember, like that's going to stick with me because it's, it's. Well, it's like Stacey said, it puts you in that eternal gaze. Once you realize that, you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really places no, that matters. trust in God because God is love. And therefore, if, if love is eternal and love is the thing that matters and mm-hmm. not always, like you said, what you're going to say or what you're going to do, which I have such a hard time with. It seems so simple. You just don't well, we say anything. I, yeah. I, my mouth won't stay closed. Right. So, like, no, so, yeah, so you saying that it's just gearing that trust towards God and not trying to rely on yourself to fix the situation. Because, again, I cannot see inside this person's heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and that I was... It's perfect because I was just thinking about this other part where it says about our need to be right. Because sharing a truth and needing to be right are not the same oh, thing. Oh, boy, preach, girl. <laughs> and so one of us need to really spend some time in adoration with this and, phrase right here. And so I'm going to kind of, the I'm quoting the book, but it's not like, it's fragments, but it's over pages 14 and 15. And it's, goes like this one of the ways we turn a challenge into a problem comes from our need to be right the need to be right creates anxiety the fact that you disagree with someone is not a problem if you are not able to say what you believe while giving the others the freedom to disagree then you have a problem and the problem is of your own making this is a hard truth, honey. Yep. <laughs> I think this could be applied to like a lot of things in yep. our society uh-huh. today. <laughs> and wow. so I, we have to remember that sometimes our we share truths with our family, but we have to be willing to accept the fact that they might disagree with us. And it brings me back to a children's book I have, I've read to my kids, and it's called Accepting, Accepting No. I believe that's the title of it. But the whole book talks about if you're not willing to hear the word no, then you probably shouldn't ask the question. Hmm. So if you're not willing to have an argument with a person over certain topics, it may not be the right time to bring it up. Because if they're going to disagree with you, you have to allow them the right to disagree with you. But that doesn't mean you have to hide your stance either so we just have to come at it at a different angle be that non-anxious presence state what we believe and be prepared to hear a differing opinion or belief Mm -hmm. it's when we're not prepared and we get caught off guard i feel like a lot of those tensions flare Mm -hmm. it adds kindling to the fire but we weren't, if we weren't prepared to hear a different opinion, like he says in this book, we've kind of created our own problem because we should have been willing to hear that differing opinion in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if we're sharing truth, then we'll be able to hear that and accept that they have a different opinion, but we know that we have the truth and we're okay that they'll grow towards the truth eventually in God's time. Mm-hmm. If we are wanting to be right, we will have a problem with it and try to change their minds. Mm-hmm. 
See, I feel like um, this is a little bit of a therapy session for me. The <laughs> <laughs> things I have going on right now. So thank you. Now offering therapy. <laughs> right. Oh no! I feel like there needs to be like a legal disclaimer right now. We are not psychiatrists or psychometrists or counselors. <laughs> we no, do not but, have training for that. <laughs> so I mean, it really sounds like a lot of this is being being willing to carry a cross and letting go of pride. A lot of it. I would say also, though, like, what what would y'all say about a situation where, you know, there's hurt on both sides and, you know, you're being rejected, but you're being rejected in a way that or for a reason that you perceive to be unjust or unfair, like you were being somehow wronged in it so there seems to be some sort of injustice there like how do you get along in those those times well the book goes on to say (laughs) so it talks about he shares a story about a daughter who wants to go out to a party and the parents saying no and so he'll say like she and stuff here but it says in this case you know that you're right but that doesn't mean that you need to convince your daughter or the other person what we're talking about. It says, keep your anxiety in check. Mm. Remain a non-anxious presence. Whether or not she agrees with you is not important. What is important is to prevent your anxiety from poisoning the situation through a reaction of yelling and screaming is what he says. But then I would also go to say that as like, you know, causing you know why would you think that you know going into those more dramatic reactions that we can sometimes have or in situations Mm -hmm. so even if though if you know that you have the truth which means you're right it doesn't mean you have to prove that you're right so and i would say in your situation you just continue to while it's hard you continue to keep that hurt kind of acknowledge that's there but we don't act on it. We keep mm-hmm. it in check and don't ignore that's there. Cause if you ignore, that's when later on, when it's all been pent up, you explode and everybody explodes. And that makes, uh, that makes for a fun Thanksgiving, <laughs> but um, no, but you have to acknowledge that that pain is there while keeping your, your personal anxiety in check, whether or not that per- the other person does, isn't the important thing. It's going back what is important is to prevent your anxiety from poisoning the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, saying that reminds me of St. Bernadette. And she's quoted as saying, my job is to inform, not to convince. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I think sometimes people will be like, well, you know, I've, I'm not trying to convince. I'm just trying to inform them, inform them, inform mm-hmm. them. But when you keep on trying and trying and trying. And I think so, too. Like, you know, we were talking about in instances where you feel like, you know, you're right and you want to be right. The person mm-hmm. who's right. I've definitely had situations where I've I've done that. And then I've turned a circle or turned a corner. And it's not about being right anymore. But it's about, you know, I want so badly for this person to for this hurt to be, you know, healed for them or for them to know that they're loved by God or for them to, you know, whatever, know that they're loved by me. But then that love suffocates because it's being, I guess you're, you're pushing too hard. And there's a quote I heard earlier this week that I loved and I shared it that for most people being loved and being heard 
Or being hurt is so close to being loved that for most people, those two things are indistinguishable. Mm, I feel that. So I would say if you're in an impasse like this where I, I want so badly to communicate something, I think the answer is to not communicate, but to listen and to mm-hmm. ask them to communicate, maybe. Yeah. Make it less about you and more about them. If you can, because sometimes there's a pain there and you need to step back and have that boundary to protect your heart. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you're in a place where, hey, you're really hurting me. I don't feel like it's fair, but I do feel like we can still maybe go around a different way to, to connect. Mm-hmm. Then maybe possibly with a big dose of courage from the Holy Spirit, you could go a different route or a different angle mm-hmm. to try to establish the listening ear for that person, even though they're hurting you, which is, I mean, it's Christ-like as it gets, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. within healthy boundaries. We're not saying become a doormat so that, you know, it's and Stacy apparently <laughs> has something to say on that too from her book. This is just, so, bringing, so not being a doormat, keeping to your values. And so it says here again from the book, effective leaders are able to express what they believe while giving others the freedom, freedom to disagree. This requires self differentiation. I say that right. And so a self differentiated person is someone who is able to act according to their own values while staying emotionally connected to others in the system even when there is pressure to conform to the values of the system which i think we hear all the time culture you know being catholics in modern culture about trying to change our values to conform to what's going on in society Mm -hmm. but then it further goes on, the capacity of a family member to define his or her own life goals and values apart from surrounding togetherness pressures. Let's, um, so then that goes on to these unwritten rules create surrounding togetherness pressures when somebody in the system goes against the rules, even for a good reason. It can create tension and anxiety resulting in surrounding togetherness pressure so basically the society is pushing on you to conform and you try to stay stick to your guns as it were and you can feel that pressure but if you want to be an effective leader whether that's with your friends as employee as an employer or as a head of a household and mother matriarch patriarch whatever then you have to be willing to stick to your guns without overreacting to situations when society is pushing on you to change. Your family togetherness is pushing on you to change. I think we can see that in the lives of the saints too. Mm-hmm. A lot and a lot of you know, a lot of them were under a tremendous amount of pressure that we don't hear a lot about. St. Bernadette having those big giant men just, you know, cowering down, trying to influence her to recant. Same thing with Joan of Arc, same thing with Teresa of Avila. Her work was the most edited and nosed around in and chopped up of any saint probably in in history. I mean, the pressure on her while she was writing the mistrust, you know, and they all of those three saints were resolute in just telling the truth no matter what. And the outcome was left to God and not just telling the truth, but just being the truth. 
You know, there's something to that. Just We say that we trust God to move in people's hearts when we pray, but we can't stand it when we can't see it. Mm. You know, we we got to, this, that's go time. When there's nothing that you can possibly do left to do, will you trust the Holy Spirit to carry out this work that God is involving you in, in the praying of for those souls? Mm-hmm. You brought up um, saints. I just, we were just listening, my children and I were just listening to a story about um, St. Clair this afternoon. And about, you know, we, we talk about a lot of this, you know, from a parent's perspective, because we're, we're moms, how, how we would interact with our children and other loved ones. But sometimes as a parent, sometimes we get a little too overprotective. And St. Clair's father in the story today did not want her to follow St. Francis. And he tried to drag her out of the church, tried to drag her, like grabbed her and tried to pull her out. And she clung to the altar and did not budge. And he finally gave up because sometimes, well, it doesn't look, and I know that he was probably trying to protect her. He probably wanted her to have a... A good life, comfortable life, not one of begging for her whole life. Because he probably, as parents, we we want to provide for our children. We don't want to see them suffer. But but I think that's where we get into this is sometimes suffering isn't a bad thing. There's a good outcome sometimes in our sufferings. And um, we just have to let God work it there and be patient. And eventually he gave up, and we know that Claire went on to, you know, found the poor Claires and and had, you know, as one of the saints, of the, recognized saints of the church now. And so sometimes we just have to trust God's plan. Mm-hmm. And he, even if we think we're right, even if it's for a good reason, we do stick to our guns, but we have to let God work in the situation also. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, that they're related to what you're saying, y'all are saying about trusting God and you know, allowing him to do his work and not trying to take over is that sometimes it's not necessarily about being right or necessarily, well, I suppose this falls into the realm of pride a little bit, but the fear that this person, maybe they're not, they don't have a relationship with God or they're living a lifestyle that is contrary to God. And there's a fear that if I stop, if I stop saying something, if I stop pushing, if I stop trying to evangelize this person in this very obvious way, if they are lost to God, if they never have a conversion, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Definitely pride. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely pride. Yeah. Because I think there's an element of, there is an element of sorrow for the other person and longing and love for that mm-hmm. person. But it's focused on me mm-hmm. and what am I doing in this situation. And also, I think there could also be a fear there of I would have to answer for that at my final judgment, that this is my fault. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I think that, I think that people who have that fear, and I've had that fear before, it comes from a genuinely loving place. Sure, it doesn't feel like pride, but again, it is. And the most dangerous pride never feels like pride. Oh, there you go. It's twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as who, it's that, again, it's that even when everything inside of you, and I've had, I need to work on this as well, when everything inside of you is telling you that, you know, you've got to do these things, you can't give up, you can't do, you, you can't stop. 
you can't trust God with this, essentially, is what it is at its very foundation. When everything is screaming at you to do that, you have to say, no, that's a lie. I reject that lie mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments in my life before where everything in me was screaming at me to one in particular, I think maybe I've talked about it on a previous podcast, to not believe in God, mm-hmm. that this was just a fairy tale mm-hmm. and that it just nothing I believed was actually real. And it was the hardest decision by far that I've ever made to say, no, I trust in you, God. And it was, and then it was a slow, slow, just like conversation. God had a, a, an honest conversation with me. It was really neat. But I've come back from it and it is, I, my faith is stronger than it ever, ever has been since mm-hmm. that point. I think putting that faith in God and then allowing him to show you that he's trustworthy because he will. So, I mean, sooner or later, like in God's timing, he will show you. And sometimes we have to also accept that sometimes people aren't ready for help. We may offer help. I'm thinking about situations in my life where I've had friends or or even personally addiction and things like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just, there is a point that they'll come to in God's time. And you can offer help, but you cannot get discouraged and angry and try to force help upon somebody. They'll only be able to accept the help when they're ready, when God's ready for them to process everything. Yeah, that makes me think of Jennifer Fullwheeler, I think is how you say her name. Mm-hmm. And she was in one of her talks about her conversion. She's talking about how um, she started getting curious a bit about God and she went from an atheist to agnostic and on all of this. And then she saw a book, I think it was in, in a used bookstore. I can't remember what it was. It was how to do with God. But she picked that up and like, you know, bought it sneakily. She was worried about her reputation mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and she read it and it, I think, I think it was in this, I might be misquoting her, but like it really hit home from her for her. But she said that, you know, a month earlier when she was praying to God to show her, you know, like, hey, show me that you're real. If she, this book would have been in front of her, it would have done nothing for her. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many instances mm-hmm. of that, that, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right. So uh, it just, I think really what we're hitting home with this whole podcast is love and trust. Love mm-hmm. the person that's in the journey that there's that conflict with, be non, that non-anxious presence for them, and then trust God's timing for them and for yourself. Um, I think sometimes when we're carrying some crosses, we want them to be resolved quickly. And I know this is the truth, so this should happen right now. But God God knows better than us. Mm-hmm. And I think most, most notably for me in this conversation is knowing that, like, because there's a little voice in the back of my head when you said, you know, just, just love the person. It's like, but I am trying to love the person yes. by mm-hmm. telling them uh-huh. <laughs> that yeah, you, we need to love them the way that they need to be loved, not necessarily the way that we may feel we need to love them mm-hmm. or with the way that we think that we ought to love them. And if we're confused about how that is, like, okay, well, if I'm doing it wrong, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Lauren, listening to them and then mm-hmm. asking God, show me how to love this person. What do they need? Or even asking them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There have been, there's, you know, some folks in my life that are just walking a path that, and willfully walking away from truth, by the way. They know to be true, to pursue other things. Mm-hmm. 
And I, the only thing I've said is I'm not going anywhere. And you don't, I don't have to agree with you to listen to you and to hear you. And I don't have to, I don't have to take away from you in order to love you. I can just listen. I can do that for you. That's something I can do. And those are the ones are still talking, even though they know I disagree with them. And they know that I don't believe that this is the right thing. And I know that they're forfeiting their, you know, their charisms and their gifts. They know that I know. And I know that they know that I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going anywhere is a powerful message. So this Thanksgiving, hold on to some of these little truths. The biggest one, I think, is Stacy shared from this book. Um, if you've met my family, you'd understand. Be a non-anxious presence. Just focus on the eternals. Have that eternal gaze that she was talking about where you're, everything you do, decide, is this eternal? Will I? Will this last for eternity? Will this be something that will last? And remember that all deposits of love, whether someone even knows that you're praying or knows that you're loving them, are deposited where they belong. Mm-hmm. Love is a tangible. It is not intangible in the sense that it must be measured. God is in charge of that. So, And I will say also to be forgiving with yourself. That if you're in a situation like this and you want to do these things, but then yes. you flub. <laughs> you flub it. And, and you will flub it. <laughs> and you mess and up. Again. And, yes. and it creates hurt where maybe there wasn't some for a little while or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm imperfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn. Yes. God, I offer this up to you. And know that just because you are not that powerful, you are not that powerful mm-hmm. to to mess up and that to just be the absolute end for that person. You keep on praying for that person. Prayer is efficacious. It just, it is. And it's way God, more effective than anything you say. Yeah. And mm-hmm. God can work absolute miracles. And so just trusting in God and giving it back to God and praying for that person is incredibly powerful. I'm, I, I'm glad you talked about prayer because I've been thinking right now, you know, we've talked about the difference between having, telling truth and being right. Also, there's a difference between admonishing the sinner, which is telling truth and judging somebody, which is that being, you know, right. being right. And so I think we, we hear those words and I don't think sometimes we associate them together because Somebody is like, well, we're called to admonish when sometimes we cross that line and we're really on the judgy side. And um, one time I had somebody trying to help me. They were trying to tell me a truth. And it was a situation that I felt that I needed to, to go through myself to make a decision about it. And they weren't happy about it. But what was kind of nice is they said, I'll pray for you. And I said, well, thank you. I could use all the prayers I could get. Mm-hmm. And I think in the moment they were before they were trying to be judgy, but when they said, I'll pray for you, it was really nice to hear. And I, I hope I didn't come back to that person as kind of a smart aleck, <laughs> but because I really did mean it, that I could use prayers and we all can use prayers. And I think, like Alicia said, it was pray about the situation and, you know, God's going to do his awesome, his his awesomeness that he always does in any situation. It just may not be when we want it to happen. Mm-hmm. So we just continue to pray. Pray that somebody will that we're mm-hmm. having issues with sees the truth. Pray that we are being civil 
and the non-anxious presence. And maybe during, before Thanksgiving, take like a quick read through the Gospels, if you can, at the way that Jesus approaches folks. They're kind of on the wrong side of the tracks, so to speak, in Jewish society. And his approach to his disciples, a lot of times, just watch how he talks to people and watch how he does things. And sometimes he's kind of brash, but it's usually to, you know, just try to see if you can learn something. I'm definitely going to do this this year because I think that we talk a lot about following Jesus, but we don't spend a whole lot of time actually watching him. And I think we're guilty of this as Catholics too. Sometimes we get, you know, where we, we kind of get bogged down in other things that we forget to actually watch our Lord and observe his life. I, I know there are treasures there for situations like this. Mm-hmm. Like like the way that he approached the woman at the well, you know, he did tell her what was up. <laughs> but it was after they were already talking. And it was real gentle. And he didn't follow behind her all the way back to town saying, <laughs> don't forget you got five husbands. <laughs> you got five husbands. Did you forget that you had five husbands? <laughs> he told her once in love. Mm-hmm. And then he said, now you're on your own. I told you, go and sin no more. And then after he said, go and sin no more, he told her one more time, right, that he knew she had five husbands. No, he didn't. That's the point. (laughs) You know, it just, maybe it doesn't need to be said so much. Like Stacey and Alicia were saying, maybe we can find different topics to engage with, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay, so you remind me, Lauren, about a reflection that I read a while back, fairly recently, actually. And it was talking about how there are those times when we're looking for those big signs to tell us what it is that we need to do. And really all we need to look at is the life of Christ and how he's, how he loved, because it was always a sacrifice. There was always a sacrifice of love there and everything that he did. And so if we're really looking for, for what it is that we ought to do, it's looking at Christ's life and saying, how can I sacrifice? How can I sacrificially love this person today? Meekness. Yeah. And so, so when we were talking before about, you know, me, that voice in my head that was like, but I am loving, but I am loving. <laughs> it's not a sacrificial love because I'm doing what I want to do. Right. Because you're doing what feels what feels satisfactory. Yeah. And it feels right. It might feel the right thing to do, but it's about me. Mm-hmm. So what can I do for that person? I really appreciate how... Um, self-deprecating you are and how willing you are to open up your own life, Alicia, and just kind of pull that out for us and put it on the table so we can kind of, no, but I really do appreciate that about you because I think it's important that we not be afraid to just say, look, this is like where I'm struggling with the people that love us. And this is where, you know, and I like that you bring, you know, your own life into this to help us understand what we're saying, because we're kind of talking in abstractions here. And so it's nice to have someone come and say, okay, no, like literally this is happening in my life right now. <laughs> Let's piece it together. This is how we do community. Well, and taking what you just said and then going back to something Lauren said a minute ago, a while back we talked about making a good confession. And since then I've really been trying to use the exam that we had talked about where we looked at the seven deadly sins. Now I know that my really big one is pride. And... One of the things that I went to a vocations retreat with my sons, This um, they, they had like a fifth grade retreat for vocations this past weekend. And um, I went and sat on the boys because I was the chaperone for my sons. So I went and sat on the boys talk and the priest that was there talked a lot about sacrifice and 
how no matter what vocation we are called to, there is some sort of sacrifice to be made and it's giving of ourselves and giving of our life to, if you're a priest, giving it to the church and to your, the people you're ministering to. And if you're a husband, giving it to your family and being willing to die for your family. And I started really thinking about how I am always really willing to suffer or make sacrifices until what I have done is the response is ungrateful. Mm, yes. And then my feelings get hurt. I feel attacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, while he was talking about this, I was like, that's it. That's where my problem mm -hmm. lies right there is because the original sacrifice I was making was fully within love and, 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 you know, I plan things for my kids or we, mm -hmm. I make dinner or whatever. And I, I really love doing those things for my family, but it's when all of a sudden, Oh, I don't like that. Why are we eating that? Or I don't like this or I don't like it that, or they act like they're, you know, like, Oh, we're going there again. And I've been planning for weeks of her trip Aww. or whatever. And then and all of a sudden I get really like, I get feel hurt, which mm -hmm. then makes me a little upset and irritated. Mm -hmm. And then, so my, and that's where the pride turn, it turns into prideful things. And I think that we have to be careful too. when we're engaging with our family members, especially during the holidays or any situation really that, you know, you guys were talking about. We need to remember what, were what, what the purpose was of the whole situation to begin with if that makes any sense and just kind of going back to that what was the purpose here are we going to focus on the situation that is causing tension we're going to see that's there i can see that my kids okay they don't like meatloaf or whatever actually my kids do like meatloaf it's other things that's weird <laughs> but like but you know you know i'm getting that my feelings don't have to be hurt it was a sacrifice, and I was happy to do it at the time, and I should continue to be happy and do it whether or not they appreciated it or not. Mm -hmm. Because the love is ordered to Christ, the mm -hmm. sacrifice, all of those little things that we do for the people that we love. They will never see it, and they don't understand it. But the Lord sees every single one of those things, mm -hmm. and that's ordered to Him. Mm -hmm. And when we get frustrated about it, we start making it about us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the initial intention is lost because we start making it about our feelings mm -hmm. and about us. Yeah, and, and you talking about that, about making those sacrifices and then it not being appreciated. I think it really is like kind of the, the proverbial Pharisee in our mm -hmm. lives and in us because it's, I wanted you to see this thing that I did for you. Right. And, and and obviously there's a hurt there. It's not just to show you or whatever. There's a genuine love that was given. So of course, but it is kind of a Pharisee type thing because I wanted you to see this and you didn't. Well, and initially I didn't. It's when the complaining happens that right. all of a sudden I'm like, because mm -hmm. originally I'm like, okay. And like, if they hadn't said anything, I don't think I would have been hurt. Does that make sense? That's when the like, the rejected comment, here because we're talking about rejection, it's when that hurtful comment comes back. That's when all of a sudden I'm like, well, didn't you see what I did? Before, before I wasn't really caring as much. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I wanted to do that for that person. But it's when, and if they didn't, maybe they didn't appreciate it, but they didn't say anything, I'd be kind of like, oh, okay. 
you know, I would have just kind of gone on with my life. But it's when, ah, that again. Or, yeah, it's because kids are oh, mean. They are so <laughs> mean. They are mean. Y'all are mean. Or, oh. Any kids watching. Y'all need to be nice to your parents, especially your mom. There's no fence But, I mean, you're, that, moms, we do. Like, we, we go within an inch of our life for our family. Like, and they don't see all of that. All the little sacrifices, the little swallowing of irritation and the, the detailed thinking and planning and looking up things online and like they just don't understand that but I think and we put so much time into doing that but we don't place enough eternal significance in what we're doing if we did when it was rejected by someone who is not super eternal it wouldn't sting so bad so if we were doing these things and while we were planning them, I'm talking to myself right here because literally, oh my gosh, I hate it when that happens. So, so, so frustrating. <laughs> if we could just say what I'm doing right now, Lord, I know that this is for you and you see this. I want you to see this, Lord, that I'm loving my family within an inch of my ability, but it's for you that I do it. Then when the rejection comes from the humans, we can say, nah, it's cool. Because yeah. we like, talked about this. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing that helps me because I get so bent out of shape when that happens. I know exactly how you feel. It's so frustrating. Well, and I don't know where it is in the book. I'm not going to quote it right this time. I know, I remember him saying somewhere in there, he's like, um, and this doesn't come naturally. So you have to fake it till you make it. Oh, I know totally. we, hear, we hear that. And totally. so, and I don't. I'm really bad at the whole faking it till you make it when it, I have that rejection like said to me because I'm like I work so hard and here you are complaining and then there's kids in other countries that don't even have anything that you are just even here but you know I just yeah I, I get into my little rant and um that that's where that's where the good intentions turn south and and sinful really because then I've again I've made it about me instead of helping the situation and mm-hmm. being that um non-anxious presence so even if i feel that way i'm not supposed to, we're not supposed to react that way and i hope this holiday season that we're coming into because this is this is the monday before thanksgiving this is released and then we have advent and christmas coming up um i think we, my advent is going to be non-anxious presence that's going to be my phrase to be a non-anxious presence. That's my, you know, the little... You know how everybody picks a word uh-huh. for the year or a season? I think Advent for Catholics, it's a new year. Yeah. My phrase for the new year is non-anxious presence. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, thank you, Dr. Jack. <laughs> well, we hope we've given you some practical things to, to think about and to do with your family members that... If if you're visiting with some that have their situations this this holiday season, but just remember to do your best to love them where they're at, enjoy your time with them. Um, remember that focus is the focus to share love and be together, or is it to fight and be right? And so, just remember to ask yourself that. And if we mess up. Because some of it we do, I do every day. <laughs> we just we redirect ourselves. We have to begin again. Begin mm-hmm. again. Hit reset. Give yourself some grace. Yeah, because even when we fall, God still loves us, 
And we, ha- if God can love us, we're not better than God, so we need to give forgive ourselves also and pick up and start anew. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Well, not yet. Happy Hanukkah. I don't know. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.